known someone uh, in the church that went through a severe personal trial, and maybe it challenged their faith. Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you had a serious personal trial in your life. It could have been any of a number of things, but it was caused you to challenge or to there to be a challenge to your faith. It might have been doctrinal. Sometimes people, they get on the Internet and they look all over the place and um, they're always looking for something new with itching ears and usually they find something. They may find something and then they have to talk to their minister about it. I say that people who are really that way a lot, sometimes they don't value the truth that they have. You have to be careful. Maybe it's financial. You know, in the year 2000 and since, you might have had some financial trials with all of the stuff that's been going on with the pandemic. Or it could be an illness. That happens. Sometimes a severe illness, you're in pain, or you have someone that you know and care and love about. That can um, be a trial for you. Or just an offense. Offenses, that can do it. You know, somebody gets foot-and-mouth disease, and away it goes. And you don't resolve it, and it just grows, and it gets worse. And pretty soon you're having a trial, or there's a trial of your faith. Sometimes people uh, have a severe trial that made them doubt. Matthew chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. Matthew chapter 10 and verses 21 and 22. The church will go through some difficult times. It has in the past. The church of God has always had difficult times. Uh, and Sometimes severe persecution. Other times things just happen to it in its environment. But Christ here is saying, Now brother will deliver up brother unto death, the father his child. Wow, that's severe. And children would rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this is physical salvation, but also this implies, yes, if you must overcome and stay in the church and stay with the faith in a trial of your faith. Plainly, many have entered into temptation in the past, and that caused them to fall away. And sadly, some will do so in the future. And the Bible says if a person sins willfully, there's no more sacrifice for sin. That's why we understand that by the law is the knowledge of sin, and a big reason why we must continue to keep God's uh, law and to live repentant lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 12 and 13. Sometimes people are a little confused by the scripture. Uh, I know I'm going to, all of you old-timers, you probably have sorted this out long ago, but maybe there's some of you who haven't. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able? Well, that's comforting. I'm glad to know that. Uh, but wait a minute. I thought, I didn't I just say something about people fall away? And they go into trials and they are tempted. And they maybe lose faith in their trial. 
Is that a contradiction in the Scripture? What do you think? We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But this question touches on the subject of patience, on the subject of patience. You know, sometimes the joke is, God, please give me patience, and I want it right now. I need patience with this situation. This may seem to be a mundane subject, patience, but it's a big deal in the Scriptures. There are lots and lots of Scriptures and lots and lots of times that this word is used in a very, very important context. Patience is described in the Bible as an important spiritual virtue that God is building in us and one that we should strive to have, we should desire to have, we should keep it in our minds and being developing it. Something we should strive to have. Often a person who lacked patience with a person or a situation made a bad decision. You ever known somebody to do that? If they had just been a little more patient before they acted, I wouldn't have turned it. And it could be life-changing to do that. One of my sayings after having lived a while is don't take long-term Decisions to solve short-term problems. You might write that one down next time you're in difficulty. Don't take long-term decisions and long-term actions to solve short-term problems. Be sure you know what you're dealing with, because I sure have seen some people do that in the past. When we read about patience in the Bible, do we really understand what it means? You know, it can mean different things in different places. It has shades of meaning in the two Greek words that are used for patience and patient endurance um, that uh, can kind of mean different things. More than word, one word in Greek is translated as patience in the Bible. And when we say patient, it's people with families. I mean, we've had four kids. And when you say patient, what do you mean? It means wait without complaining. And then the kids say, uh, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Uh, is supper ready yet? Are the end times coming yet? We, we adults say, are the end times here yet? When is all those things going to come? When are these things going to happen? Are we patient about that? You know, uh, the, there's, a, there's a great article coming up in the next Living Church News by Mr. Weston. Please, please be sure to read that one carefully. It kind of touches a lot on that particular subject. And I like to point out and to mention when I, when I get the opportunity to, you know, the times of the ends and the, uh, the tribulation and the coming of the kingdom of God may not happen in my lifetime. It may not. All the people in the church in the past, last 2,000 years, even the prophets before them didn't happen in their lifetimes. They waited. They, maybe they saw it afar off like Abraham. It was in the faith chapter in Hebrews. But, you know, if it doesn't, I get to live my life in God's way of life. Got another way you want to live? Not me. I like coming here. On Sabbath, I like keeping it holy and all the other things that we do, the holy days and the way of give that God has in his life and all the things that Christ and the apostles taught. That's the way I want to live. And if I don't see end times in my lifetime, well, I get to live that way my whole life. I'm looking forward to that. I think God wants us to be that way. If you're not that way, you need to think about it. You need to think about it. 
As I said, but that's not the meaning of how the word is used in the New Testament. The Greek text holds substantial additional meanings in the word translated patience. They have important implications about the spiritual qualities, those little differences that God wants us to have. So today I hope you'll listen patiently while we raise our awareness of the meanings of the word patience in the Bible, and second, how true patience can help us in ways that we might not expect in our Christian lives, in living it and in coping with the trials to come. Patience and faith, the Bible, are connected. They are connected. We're going to, you'll often see that, so we're going to see some of that today. First, if you'll excuse me, we're going to do a couple of two-dollar words in Greek here. The word patience is translated from, as I said, a couple of different words. One is hupomone in anglicized, hypomone. It means an abiding under, as hupo or hyper, under, and meno, to abide. We often put Greek words together, even in English, like um, hypodermic, hypo under, dermis, skin. Uh, as a dermatologist, skin doctor, you know, we put words together that way. Well, hupo, or hypo, and, um, is in the same in Greek, and to abide, to abide under. And it's almost invariably translated patience, like patience with grow, only grows in trials. That might be an example. And this patience is associated with things, associated with situations and life circumstances, like COVID. That was something you needed to be patient with. I mean, you've been patient with these wonderful things. You're not having to wear your muzzles, I mean masks, uh, lately. But it took some patience, and some of you still need to wear them, and that's great that you can. But we had to be patient with that here in this congregation and uh, throughout the church. James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. James chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Hupomone. Trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect or complete work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Perfect in the sense of being a complete person, a complete Christian, and brought to completion at the time that Christ comes. Hupomone. Patience with things and situations and circumstances. Will a trial of your patience be coming up during the coming year? I hope not, but it might. Most of us get them from time to time. Could be economic, you know, maybe a job. I hope it doesn't happen, but you could have an economic trial. Some of you have had those. Could be political. Things are getting crazy out there, crazy in the political environment. Social upheaval is going on. In society, it's becoming more and more divided. The political considerations are bringing ethnic divisions. We don't want those to come into the church. And Satan will try to do that. And there are those that feel that they can profit from that. Keep the unity of the faith in the church. The unity of the faith in the church. Can you stay the course? Or will you allow the, the world's leaven to pollute you in some way? It can happen. You have to be careful. We're in this world, but we are not of it. God has us set apart. Church is set apart. 
Just the fact that you keep the Sabbath sets you apart. If you remember what it was like when you first started, it kind of set you apart, didn't it? Well, the God's church is set apart. A holy people. Remember that our spiritual safety is in our sanctity. Our safety, especially spiritually, is in our sanctity. And for many in the church, it will even be our physical safety in the future. That doesn't mean we don't sigh and cry for the sins of Israel. We certainly should. We sigh and cry from the pulpit sometimes here for the sins of Israel, and we should. And pray for the repentance for this country and others. What spirits affecting the society these days? What spirits out there? It's angry. It's an angry spirit. You see it in riots and demonstrations of all parts of the political spectrum. We see anger. We hate resentments going on out there. Maybe some of this affects you. You read the news and you say, well, I feel Ask yourself, how am I feeling? I'm feeling resented. I'm feeling resentment. I feel alienated. I'm angry. It must be God's spirit working in me, right? Wrong. God's spirit doesn't do that in you. When you feel alienation, when you feel anger and you feel resentment, whether society or at a particular person, it's not of God's spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, Goodness, those are the things that come from God's Spirit. Now, another word. Another word is macrothumia. Macrothumia. It means forbearance and patience and long-suffering, but usually rendered long-suffering because it refers to your interactions with people. Macro is big, like in macroeconomics, and thumia um, means um, your temper. Your, your temperament. Are you long-tempered? Or are you short-tempered? I'll make up a new word, microthumia. That would be, that would be a short-tempered person. Are you a long-tempered person? Do you bear with people who are, who are just creating problems? Just to, it's translated patience sometimes, but most of the time when you see long-suffering in the Bible, that's the word that, is, that it comes from. Long-suffering is the quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation which does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish, from a um, Vine's Expository Dictionary of Bible Words. Mainly patience with people, long-tempered as opposed to short-tempered. If you pray for patience, you know what you might get? Difficult people. Maybe that's what we need sometimes, to learn how to deal with difficult people. It's characterized by constancy in belief and faith, even in the face of great trials. So to just summarize this first section, your patience with people in situations will be needed to maintain the faith that you have unleavened by sin in your life in the future. Faith and patience. A little bit farther. Let's talk about faith a little more. James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. James chapter 5, 
verses 7, 8, and 10, rather, and then we'll read verse 11 also. Now, the word here is macrothumia until we get down a little bit farther to verse 11. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. That's macrothumia, long, uh, long-tempered. Be also patient. Establish your heart before the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Once again, same thing. <clears throat> Verse 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction, affliction of patience, long-suffering with people. Verse 11. This is hupomone. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, this will be hupomone here. Behold, we count them happy which endure, which have the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord with the final outcome that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Job um, lived under. He had a staying under his situation, and he was patient. We call it the patience of Job. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 4. <clears throat> Sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, there it is, faith, and your labor of love, the actions that went with it, <coughs> and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren, your... Uh, your beloved, brethren beloved, uh, your election of God. Second Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.4. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 4. Let's see. Is that right? So we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith, that they are paired again, in all your persecutions and tribulations which you endure. Persecutions happens by people. Tribulations comes from the environment around them. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed towards his name in all that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope and to the end. It's overcoming to the end. Now verse 12. And be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises Macrothumia, long-temperedness. Your faith is linked with these long-suffering, 
with your situations and with people together over and over again. And I've just touched on a few of them. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. We have to read this one. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, that's macrothumia, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against which there is no law. When you are in trial of your faith and of the situations around you and those difficult people that you get, we pray that God will stir up his spirit in us, and we stir that spirit up. And it's his spirit that leads us to do that. Here it is. It's the fruit of the spirit that does it. Patience is crucial to constant and enduring faith. It even mentions that the Philadelphia era of the church is protected from the world's tribulations, not persecutions or the difficulties that precede the tribulation. So we must be faithful in that regard as well. So biblical patience implies not only waiting quietly without complaining, but endurance in trials, personal, political, social, financial, and then constancy in belief. That's the doctrinal challenges, mocking, and societal rejection that can come with that. You know, I wonder, there, there are people out there, they criticize the church, they mock the church, and they do that sort of thing, but, you know, haven't really hurt anybody so far, but what if they got the power to? We hope that they won't and pray that they won't. Sometimes people lose faith in difficult trials. Why is God allowing this to happen to me? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? If you're there, I'm going through this trial. Won't you help me, lead me out of, help me out of this trial, stop this trial from happening? It can just shake a person's faith sometimes. We want to blame someone for our suffering. Our suffering produces grief in us, and often that makes anger. We want to blame someone for it. You know, why do we have trials? Why does God even allow them? Well, lots of reasons. You can go through a whole sermon on that. You can do something that's unwise. You know, you can be unwise in your health. That can cause a health trial. Be unwise in your finances. Oh, that will usually cause a financial trial. In your relationships. When you are, fix it. Go to the person and fix it. Don't allow relationship problems to go on. Time and chance happens. Oh, boy, it does happen. So we may have trials for many different reasons. Uh, I'll tell you a story. Um, that was, um, have you ever noticed that if your hot water heater goes out, that's happened to us a time or two. Over the years, you know, hot water heaters finally go bad. You ever notice it always goes out on a Thursday or a Friday? It seems to do that for, for us so that the guy can't come till Monday or Tuesday and it's winter time and you get to take cold showers the whole time. Uh, maybe it doesn't always happen that way, but it kind of seems it does. Uh, you know, that did happen. It happened to me. I think it's happened more than once. And that's why I 
bring it up. But you know, after that hot water heater was in, that hot shower felt pretty good, I've got to say. And I, uh, I thank God for hot water. I had never thanked God for hot water before, but I was thankful for that hot water after that. You know, little things like that can make a difference. Uh, I remember when we lived down in Florida for so long in South Florida, we used to have hurricanes. We had hur- lots of hurricanes. And one, one time damaged the roof a little bit. Never took too bad a damage during the hurricanes, but once there was some damage. And then at a storm that happened a little later, the, the, the ceiling over my study area filled up with water and just went ploosh and just fell down. And I had a real bad feeling about that because, as a man, I want my house to have a good roof over my family. And I never realized how that would make me feel. I was very uneasy about that until we got that roof fixed. And we got it fixed. And afterwards, you know what? I thank God for my roof. I was thankful for my roof. I'd never thanked God for the roof before. Have you thanked God for your roof? You know, the point I'm making is this is that it's good to be thankful to the Lord, but all the little stuff. Have a prayer or a week of prayer, for that matter, where you just thank God for all the little stuff that you've got. The the roof over your head, the locks on the door, the the refrigerator is running, the hot water heater, you've got clean water coming out of All of the things that you never think of, thank God for. And it makes you feel really good to do that. It's a wonderful thing to do, but uh, just remember that a great way to avoid trials is by not needing them. You know, God may say, you know, Wakefield hasn't thanked me for his good help for a long time. I think I'll fix that. You know, you don't want that happening to you. Here's the point. Christ has all power in heaven and earth. He said what he will do, and he do, will do what he says he will do. He has both the power and the will to do what he says. It's a big part of faith, knowing and understanding and completely believing that what God said he would do, we have to read his word to find out, that he has the power to do it and the will to do it as well. He intervenes in his plan for mankind. He has a plan for you. He's intervened in your life. He sure has in mind. Think of all the times he's intervened for you. I bet he has, especially newer people. It's probably fresh in your memory that what brought you here today. He intervenes out of mercy for anyone he pleases because he said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. We don't really know what all of his plans are, but not in every matter. And one reason he doesn't intervene in every matter is because not every matter affects his plan for mankind or his plan for you. He might like allow it to continue for a while. He uses trials, even time and chance, to work for us. He makes all things work together. You ever make mistakes? You ever cause an offense? You get a little foot and mouth disease sometimes? You ever do that? Afterwards, I can't believe I said, did I say that? Oh my. I didn't. That really came out the wrong way. Boy, I had a wrong attitude when I approached that person. I really wish I hadn't done that. Mr. Armstrong, I I couldn't count the times I remember hearing um, on what other sermons he had. I've made hundreds of mistakes. You remember him saying that? He often said that. 
I make mistakes. Mr. Weston often says he makes mistakes. Our field ministers make mistakes. But we don't abandon our faith because of them. You know, if a minister makes a mistake or your personal friend makes a mistake and you look in your Bible and say, look, the entire book of 2 Corinthians has changed. No, it hasn't. All the, all the books of the Bible, they're all exactly the same as they were before that person, whoever it was, made their mistake. Why let a mistake affect your faith? That's nuts. Stay grounded in reality. God's word doesn't change because of the mistakes of other people, nor should our faith and our belief and our understanding of these things. We are called into the church in repentance and reconciliation with the Father. But otherwise, we are in our existing physical condition. You know, uh, same age I was, well, I was a day after I got baptized than I was before I got baptized, maybe a day later. And with my same educational background, you too. Your same employment, probably. Sometimes God moves you, though. Same family. Yeah, all your relatives are still there. Your skills didn't change. Your personality, well, that was the same. But a lot of times God, well, he will work and he'll change our character and what we do. God works with us to produce changes, and he might intervene to accomplish those changes. He may cause something. He may prevent something. Well, if God prevents something, how did you know? Maybe he prevented an accident that would have happened to you that keep you from coming today. You don't know. Maybe when you didn't run that red light, there was an accident when you down the street. I don't know. But God does intervene in both ways on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. God is going to shake heaven and earth, and sometimes God allows or uses difficult trials to shake us. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Those whose voice then shook the earth. But now he is promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth but heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Can you be shaken? Can you be shaken? And you just worn down a little bit. Well, maybe patience with people and situations is important. What do you think? We see the news these days, a lot of things going on. Turn to Matthew 10, verses 22. This verse 22. We read this earlier. Now let's read it again. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. But we have John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, some strong assurances from God. John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. And I give them eternal life, that they may never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. 
And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Nobody. We're all in God's hands. Nobody can take you. The only person that can do that is you. You can do that. And one of the ways that Satan talks you into doing it is losing patience to challenge your faith. How does God protect? One way he works through, works through the offices that he establishes in the church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. Or 14. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. I'll read that. It's a very familiar scripture. But this is an important way. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and churches. Why would he do that? Those offices. Here they is. For the equipping of the saints, that's one, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. You want to be equipped? You want to help the ministry? You want to be edified? Well, here's how he does it. He's established offices to do that. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And they do that. Romans 20, Romans 8, 28, But God makes all things work together. That's a memory scripture. For those who love him, all things, that's panta, everything, even butterfly flapping in Asia. So I don't, how does he do it? I don't know. But he said, all things work together. For those who, who love him and those who are called according to his purpose, that's you. Kind of makes you feel important, doesn't it, to be that way. We rarely know what God is doing while he is doing it. We rarely do. But afterwards we look back and we see. Faith is connected to constancy and endurance, patience. Because unless we believe in God's ultimate purpose and his word about it, Satan will use trials to wear us down. But being constant in belief and enduring tempers and strengthens our faith. See how it works. That's why he pairs it together so often. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I read the scripture earlier and asked a question. But uh, I know a lot of you recognize I left off the end of the verse. Let me read the portion I left off. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Now, here's the rest of the story. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you be able to bear it. Sometimes bearing it just means you get off scot-free. Other times not. The problem is that people don't look for and then take the way of escape that he provides. When you're in that unbearable trial, look around, turn your spiritual radar on, and see what he is doing. Job 14, 15. I love the scripture. It's a thunderous scripture. Most encouraging scripture. It begins, shall a man live again? Shall a man live again, or a woman? Verse 15, you shall call, I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. 
I like that. Every one of, every one of us here is a work of God's hand. Everybody's a piece of work in an important sense. Not looking at anybody in particular when I say that. God will make a way for you in your trials, often by making a way of escape. But will you wait patiently and take it? Hebrews 12, 12 verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnares us and run with hupomone, endurance, with the life situations, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he has a similar future for all in his church. Summarize, faith and patience work together. Trust God, obey him, and he will make a way. He promised to. So I hope I've raised your awareness of the meaning and importance of the spiritual fruit of patience. Patience in the Bible is an active thing not passive. And faith and uh, patience and trust in God mutually reinforce one another, each other, and are essential to overcoming to the end. The time is coming when we will need to patiently endure, so going out into the coming year, the rest of this year, up until the feast, and everything that's going to happen, let's ask God for the fruit of patience and constancy and remain unleavened. And thank you for listening patiently today.